Hello, folks, and welcome back to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten, and I'm here with Parks Miller. You. Yo, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm here with Parks Miller. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, we got, uh, this is a, a long, I, I don't know how to phrase this. I guess a long-term dump or a dump that we've had on our list for a very long time. Uh, people have mentioned it to us before, but this is like a classic like this is classic dump uh, material right here, but we have some announcements before we get into it. Uh, first of all, we want to announce that on January 20th in Los Angeles, Culture Dumps will be performing live for the first time. We will be joined yes. by, yeah, it's going to be a, a big one. If you guys went to um, either of our podcast 99 shows, it'll be like that, but with dump stuff. So we'll be covering a couple dump topics, doing slideshows, multimedia extravaganza. We'll be doing dump stuff, as Ryan puts it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Be really exciting. It's uh, it's going to be in L.A. I'm really excited to come back to do another show in L.A. Um, tell us about this venue, Ryan. Uh, well, it's going to be at Whammy Analog Media. It's a, kind of a newer spot, but they've been doing all kinds of stuff. It's a VHS store. Like it's it's legit just a store that specializes in in VHS. So mostly you know obscure weird titles as you know VHS nerds tend to like, but it's everything. They have like a you know their store is broken down into sections. Obviously they have like their horror and comedy, but then there's like a Nick Cage section and like a Mondo section and like you know st stuff like that. But they have a micro cinema uh, in the back of the store, which you know it's a seated theater essentially and that's where we will be performing uh we're going to be joined by a returning guest of the show adam papigan he's going to be showing some some videos of his i believe he's showing appearances he's made on court tv shows <laughs> he's been on like <laughs> four of them and uh the museum of home video is going to be joining us they'll be showing some stuff and also bill conway who was our co-host on the osiris d3 episode one of the founders of the hard times he'll be performing as well that's january 20th um tickets aren't on sale yet but you'll be able to get them through whammy's website i believe it's just whammyanalog.com um, but stay tuned on our Instagram and all that stuff for all that info. But this is the first that we're announcing it. January 20th, Culture Dumps Live. Um, also, if you would like to support us and you can't make it to the show, patreon.com slash culture dumps. We just put up a bonus episode where we covered the Power Rangers curse, which was something that we could have done as a regular episode, but we decided just to throw it out there for those kind enough to subscribe. And as always, make sure you share the show with your friends, leave a review, rate it on whatever you're listening to. If you leave a review, only good ones, please. Uh, the bad ones hurt my feelings. Um, I just, yeah. just <laughs> want to make that clear when I say leave a review. Uh, don't talk about how I think I'm funny, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, it hurts my feelings. <laughs> if you just really hate us that much. Just don't listen. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't got to be a right. dick about it. But if yeah. you love us you know, show us the love. Yeah. Shout it from the rooftops. Shout it from the keyboard. Uh, well, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about the artist formerly known as Prince. We're not talking about yeah. Prince because yeah. no, we can't. I mean, Prince is super famous, right? right. Huge <laughs> yeah, successful no musician. Uh, so it's, we have to find like a dump. It's kind of like with Michael Jackson. Absolutely. Uh, there are dumpy elements. Like when someone is so famous and popular themselves, 
they can kind of have dumps within their career because they've done so much and had so much notable shit. So no, we're not going to talk about purple rain. You know, we're not going to talk about little red Corvette. I mean, well, we're going to mention it. Cause I just watched we'll, purple we'll rain it, but it's, uh, it's, last you know, night and wow. <laughs> I mean, not for the first time, but it was like a refresher. Like, yeah. woo, that movie, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Let's just like, here's the thing. Like, cause well, first of all, have you seen Prince live? Did you ever go see him? I never got to see Prince live. No, I, so, you're a way bigger bummed. fan of his than I am. I saw yeah. him live. I saw him at Coachella and mm -hmm. I remember I've told this story a million times, but it was like back in the day when Coachella was for like serious, like music heads. It wasn't like pop acts, like in like the biggest things at the time. It was like, you know, uh, underground, obscure stuff. And the year I went, uh, Portishead was headlining one of the days and we were all stoked. And then at the last minute they added Prince and people complained. Cause they were like, that's, uh, that's not what Coachella is about. Like what's next Beyonce. And like, sure enough, you know, but <laughs> Prince came out and like everyone shut the fuck up about any complaints they had, dude. Like, oh my yeah. God, dude. He came out and I remember he's like, can I play my guitar? And then like everyone just goes <laughs> fucking ape. She's like, Coachella, is it all right if I play my guitar? And then just oh like God. slayed Sheila E was on drums. Morris Day in the time came out and fucking opened with Jungle Love. Like it was Damn. fucking batshit. And then he played Creep from Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, I've seen like videos. He loves creep from radiohead so does dave Chappelle. Uh, apparently he sang it with uh, yeah. the fighters like a bunch of times yeah um i've seen sheila e and then i saw morris day in the time at the gathering of the jugglers <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> um which i think like i think the only reason is because aren't they like referenced in jay and silent bob like oh. i feel like there's yeah, this oh, because weird... he's like, because he's like, put that shit in my head. Oh, we, oh, we, yeah, oh. jungle love. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure ICP just like saw that movie and was like, oh, cool, we gotta have Morris Day. <laughs> I don't time. know, man. I think that they're huge funk fans. I mean, most yeah, they like, are. old school hip hop heads are funk fans because that's where all the early samples came from. Yeah, and and, and in fact, uh, ICP has sampled a Prince song, uh, Kiss, but it must have been on like some sort of. I don't know how they got the clearance. I was about to say, how did the um, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's some like old, old ICP shit. Um, but I remember walking around and they would play a bunch of music. Like they'd play like George Clinton, Michael Jackson, Prince, like on the PA, like between like all the horror core, you would, you would always be hearing some kind of like eighties funk as well. <laughs> Just a nice hefty dose of, uh, of yeah. funk. Yeah. I mean, hey, it, it makes sense. But uh, what we're talking about is the famous name change. When Prince went from yeah. Prince to the artist formerly known as Prince, we're going to talk all about that. So why is it a dump? Well, this is a dump because it was one of the most mind-boggling moments in mainstream pop music. There are plenty of vastly successful stars that have changed their stage name, but none of them ever changed it to a symbol that was intentionally unpronounceable. The the artist formerly known as Prince debacle was a true battle between creative genius and corporate control. The controversies surrounding Prince's name change exposed the often unfair contracts that artists are legally forced to abide by and forever proved you just can't fuck with Prince. Um, yeah, it, it's I remember this is another one uh, pulled from the VH1 100 most shocking moments in rock and roll uh, list, which just like, you know, hangs over my head like an awesome umbrella. 
Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but I remember like thinking because when I was a kid, right? Because like at the time this all happened, I'm a, I'm a little kid, and it lasted way longer than I thought. I thought it was just like for like a year or something, but no, this was a a multi year long name change. And I always mm-hmm. remember being like the artist formerly known as Prince, and it was kind of a joke when people would say it, like or even mention him, because it just became too complicated to talk about Prince in a normal way after he changed his right. name. So everything became like, oh, he's this weird fucking eccentric fucking crazy artist guy and like it's just, this is all kind of goofy that became the kind of prince narrative yeah, during this it, time it did become a lot of fodder for late night humor you know kind of radio humor just like like just it was a joke because it also there's a lot it was seen on one hand as like the artist kind of going against the record label which i think has he has a lot of valid points but it was also seen as like, dude, you are like super rich and successful and you just signed like this huge contract and now you're like, don't want to obligate it. So some people like felt like it was like, what are you doing? Kind of like, it's like you've been, and also in the nineties, he didn't have nearly as many hits. Like, well, this is like, a big part of it has to do with this. This is a big part of it too. And so it, it is like pretty complicated when you get into it but it also kind of from the outside it seemed just like a little too weird to be like you're changing your name and then you're not really like putting out many hits but he was still really really famous you know right i would say like some of his cultural relevance i mean obviously the 80s is where you most associate his influence um, but so he's still very, very famous. This but made I him, like I would he, say it made him it like pushed his fame even more, but it didn't push his success. any, any exactly. That's a great yeah. way to put it that because once you get into that, like Prince as a symbol was almost just like a nineties shorthand for something, you know, just right. like just to, to say it, to reference it. I mean, people rapped about it, made jokes about it. Um, and so it kind of became like really distilled as just like sort of, a joke or of like, man, celebrities are crazy people or, you know, but well, it, 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 it was, is quite complicated. Yeah. Well, Prince and Michael Jackson were always kind of lumped together as like rivals, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's like, like battling for the, the king of pop title, I, I guess. But even though Prince is like, I feel like he'd be more happy with like king of funk. You know, he, he was always like right. really relying heavily on the, on the funk aspect, but also like the main difference between the two is like, Prince is for grownups, dude. Like this, yes. Like, like he is a this guy fucks. Like Prince, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Prince fucked, dude. Prince fucked. I mean, yeah. His lyrics have always been. There's always been like super sexual lyrics. Uh, Michael Jackson, and you know, and yeah, comparing them that we are going to, but Michael Jackson was his music was very tame, uh, but right. obviously his personal life seemed to have much more. Yeah, you know, because Prince laid it all out there. It. Yeah, Prince has laid it all. Even though we did kind of discover some interesting stuff about Prince's life, that you know, it's it's pretty weird. It's pretty out there. Well, so. he, yeah. At the end of the day, he's still fucking Prince. So there's gonna be yeah. like, like even watching Purple Rain, like it, just looking at the way that he's dressed throughout the years, I'm just like, this guy is fucking insane, dude. Like, you know, yeah. again, it's like with Michael Jackson. Like, if you dress like Prince, like you just everyone's going to think that you're trying to look like Prince. Same with Michael Jackson or Elvis, like the LA gear point where it's like, like there's just such a specific look, but 
let's get into it. This is a little bit of a background, so Prince 101, uh, so to speak. The artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince was formerly known as Prince Rogers Nelson when he was born on June 7th, 1958 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Strange place for uh, someone like Prince to come from. Maybe not necessarily Minneapolis, but Minnesota. You don't really think of like a purple funk sex god when you think of like the vastly cold you know wilderness latin landscape of minnesota but now you do like because i mean literally like there's the minneapolis sound yeah that i feel like is because of prince totally um yeah and he was named prince and he was named prince yeah it's his actual destined for greatness it's his whole ass name uh prince was born into a musical family his mother maddie della was a jazz singer and his father john lewis nelson was a pianist and songwriter Prince got his name from his father's stage name, which was Prince Rogers. Let's just call my son what I call myself when I want to be cool. Though he would become known around the world simply as Prince, as a child, Prince hated his name and insisted on being called Skipper. I think he made the right (laughs) choice with Prince. Skipper doesn't fuck. Prince fucks. (laughs) Like imagine like if like like oh dude did you hear that new Skipper song darling Nikki like, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah you don't want to hear Skipper singing about a girl masturbating you want to hear Prince but Skipper does fuck because that sounds like uh <laughs> like a like a Florida like a dude at the bar in Florida okay a Skipper like, oh, in Minnesota skipper. doesn't fuck a Skipper <laughs> in the Keys fucks okay yeah that's exactly. the difference yeah the Skipper difference the Skipper factor now Prince's father encouraged his interest in music and at age seven Prince wrote his first song Funk Machine <laughs> this guy he loves the funk. dude just been like a like just mad funky and like it's just a weird thing for a seven-year-old to like want to write like funk because it's very um a very sexual genre of music let's just say um (laughs) he also had a sister uh named laika who was also musically inclined now prince got his start in showbiz as a teen when he was discovered by his first manager owen husney owen was showed a demo tape prince had recorded but was unimpressed until he learned that prince wrote all of the songs and played every instrument on the recording that's something prince became known for he is a master in the studio was a master in the studio i keep forgetting he died um spoiler alert but uh, I, yeah, I keep forgetting that that he died. But he um, yeah, opiates. He would play every instrument on most of his recordings, and li- like the only time he would really play with others was live <laughs> because he couldn't do everything himself. And you know, obviously, mm-hmm. he would bring in studio musicians here and there. But for the most part, he would bring you in, show you the song that he had already recorded, and be like, "Hey, you're gonna lay down this part. You're gonna lay down this part." Yeah, in- incredibly mm-hmm. talented. I would say more so than Michael Jackson for sure. I mean, yeah, I would I would personally agree just because he did like Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah, also is a pop genius, but uh, Michael Jackson didn't really write a lot of songs, even though he obviously had a huge, you know, ability, like incredible talent for music. Um, but Michael Jackson was always kind of like part of a team. And I always sort of liked that Prince was doing this like I can do it all kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's like what we see now with, with musicians, you know, you can just release whole ass albums from your bedroom and become super successful with the right guidance because as yeah. we'll see, there is I mean, no show without the biz. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite Prince albums is 1999 and I think he pretty much did every single thing except for like a couple, like the guitar solo on little red Corvette or something. Um, but then he also did have really awesome bands like, 
new power generation and the, the revolution. revolution yeah but it was still like very much him it was kind of like oh right i did all this shit by myself he's like now i got a band and then right. that would just be sort of another vehicle to be like I'm going to find these like freaky hot women who are going to also dress like me and push this like androgynous. You're like, they all kind of like sort of look like Prince now. So, Oh yeah, for know, sure. it's just, everything is really in his vision and in his image. And, uh, from actually a very early age. If you watch the, uh, Mike judge show tales from the tour bus, uh, the second season is all about funk and there's an episode about Morris day and the time. And it, it explains how Prince created, like he created a whole nother band to be his band's rival. Like yeah, he was such yeah, a like, fucking genius. And he like wrote theirs. He's like, this is how the band that is like versus my band. They, this is how they sound. This is their songs. This is my mm -hmm. band songs. And you're going to be like this because I'm going to be like this. Like this guy is a fucking genius, dude. Yeah. He wrote a lot of the Morris day hits. Um, he's written a lot of hits for, I mean, you could like, there, there's an album's worth of just the hits. He ended up writing for other people. Yeah, um, yeah, and truly a force, and like very uncompromising, which is kind of where this whole dump comes in. Just from the start, just like one of those people that's like, no, I know exactly what I want to do, right? At well, all and times, and anyone getting in my way is in my way, and I'm gonna keep doing exactly what I want to do, right? And that's that begins at the at the very start of his career because with Husney's help, Prince found himself at the center of a bidding war between Columbia Records, A and M, and Warner Brothers. Eventually, Prince landed a contract with the latter and at age 18 was given permission to produce his own debut album, a privilege very rarely afforded to a newly signed artist. Uh, his manager had to really fight for that. It, like They were like, no, there's no way we're plucking this kid out of Minnesota who's only 18 and letting him take control of a Warner Brothers, you know, paid for studio session that, and we're going to bank all this money. But it's a good thing yeah. that they did because it, be, mm -hmm. it became Prince's, you know, he wouldn't have the signature sound that he did had he had not made his very first album all on his own. Yeah. And first album is a classic uh, right off the bat. I mean, yeah, it's a huge risk, but it paid off. I mean, maybe not the first album. He was took a minute, I feel like, to get warmed up to. But then by each subsequent album, it was like yeah, he was getting hotter and hotter. And also at the same time, I think he was also he started pushing the outrageousness factor more the the songs became more sexual the show became more sexual and so he the clothes became all, more like shakespearean <laughs> yeah he's always had controversy what that's also one of my favorite songs of his controversy um but yeah so that's kind of i don't know he's also just a genius at like pushing people's buttons to be like can you believe what he did you know yeah yeah and i feel like that was like always hand in hand with his success was just like, he's doing something obviously like the song, darling Nikki. Like I feel like a hit song that's like talking about a woman masturbating with a magazine, you know? Right. Like, well then, and then, I mean, Cindy Lauper did, I was she bop, you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> the songs about girls masturbating guys. It's like, if you want to hit <laughs> start there, <laughs> apparently, yeah. but uh, also uh, interestingly enough, darling Nikki and she bop were both part of the PMRCs, the parent music resource center. Um, those songs were both on their like dirty dozen list that started the whole parental advisory thing, which right. will be a very long winded culture dump in the future. Uh, mm -hmm. Topics that are that big. We're saving till after we break a hundred episodes. Cause I don't want to blow through these like huge ones. 
uh, before we even hit 100. But PMRC is coming, and Prince was a big part of that, which is interesting because when you think of the PMRC and the Principal Advisory stickers, you're thinking like NWA or like some of these, like the metal bands at the time. You're not thinking pop, but that was included, and Prince was a very different pop star from the rest. Yeah, and, and, not, and not only was it that he was highly sexual, but he also had like a very androgynous uh, presentation at times. So it wasn't even necessarily like I'm the big, strong, sexy guy, even though his music, you know, he did, he was a man and he talks about having sex with women, but then he would kind of like wear high heels and wear like Chanel number five makeup and like kind of, he would, yeah, he would present himself in a very feminine way as well. Everything was purple. Purple is a signature. Everything was purple, frilly, lacy. So it like, I think it also just created like a, a confusion and excitement to be like, you know, what is this guy's deal? But it seems, it just feels shocking, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what Prince looked like? Well, we're going to get to this era, but what he's like best known for, you know, that like mid to late eighties, he looked like if a, like a drag queen and a leprechaun and a vampire from like an Anne Rice book all had a baby together. <laughs> and like when the baby was born, they put a guitar in his hand. They're like, go have sex with everyone on earth. <laughs> That's what Prince is like. So yeah, his he's career a really hot leprechaun. Yes, absolutely. Purple instead of green. Uh, now his career, it, it took off almost immediately. It took a little bit of time, but he released an average of like one album a year from the moment he signed his contract, but it would be his sixth album, purple rain that would launch him to superstardom, And there would be no turning back. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with the album. Like, I always thought Purple Rain was his first album because I'm such a fucking noob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't realize that there was six that came, or there was five that came before that. Um, yeah. But this was the first one he had with a movie attached to it. Mm-hmm. And that was right, a fucking right. major sensation. Uh, yeah. Very heavy handed with the ladies in this movie. <laughs> he really wallops the love interest at one point. Yeah. Oh, it's it definitely. <laughs> I mean, the movie is completely nuts, and yeah, he, he does he does smack some women around, um, and the sex scenes are like 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 them some real sex scenes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like They're, that. Like yeah, that it's is like what... softcore porn. Yeah, and then some crazy bad acting, and a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. But like, you get th- Prince like throwing a temper tantrum and like breaking all the stuff, which is just. So yeah. great. He's tiny it's, it's, too. We haven't even mentioned it, but he's fucking yeah, very he's, short. He's like five yeah. foot one. Um, <laughs> and then you just have these amazing performance scenes from like Prince at the like height of his creative peak. Oh yeah. So it's, it's very uneven, but it's very entertaining. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's all really him. It's fucking crazy. And like, yeah, his rival Morris day, like in the tales from the tour bus episode, they talk about how when they were like rehearsing and stuff, Prince went to the wall and pulled a mirror off of the wall at the venue and was like, someone's going to hold this up for you. Like even shit like mm-hmm. that Prince made up. He's like, while you're playing, you're like, you're going to fix your hair and shit. Yeah, and like yeah. he made up like everything for this guy. And basically, but, but then what happened was after Prince moved on from the purple rain phase, like Morris, like they didn't get to kind of come along for the ride. Like it was like, Hey, like, yeah. yeah, you're part of purple rain era. Like I'm on some other shit. Like they're like, I don't need, I don't need the rival that is Morris day in the time anymore. So they kind of became their own thing. And we're always, you know, definitely second banana to yeah, <laughs> anyone I think that, that they Morris, performed with. 
Morris Day is definitely much more known as like an 80s act because the I mean even when I saw them at the gathering like the sound was just much more 80s whereas Prince did you know he continued to make a ton of music and to me like the 80s stuff really is the best but he did kind of adopt to some newer sounds more more so than Morris Day um and yeah I mean he even he would just completely dump his band and be like all right well Triple Rain's done, so like I don't need the revolution anymore. Even though I know he did other albums with them, but he would just kind of completely shed his image and be like, "All right, the whole wardrobe's out. Yeah, new bands yeah. out, sounds out. Very like, David Bowie. Like, like I would say, mm-hmm. Prince is kind of the closest thing we have or had after David Bowie. Or, well, I would say, like, I, I would say it goes like this. Like, as far as pe- like artists that reinvent themselves and the sound goes with it and the look and everything, it would be like David Bowie did that and then Prince did that and Lady Gaga has also done that. Where yeah. it's just like new sound, new look, new phase. You know, True. every tour is going to be totally a different experience. Like, I mean, obviously David Bowie went so far as to have a different persona you know mm-hmm. i mean prince obviously had this name change we're going to talk about lady gaga has these different eras so there yeah. it's very few uh, and far between as far as artists that can reinvent themselves successfully multiple times yeah and and all of this is to say that in the 80s if you don't know like i mean it's it's hard to not talk about but yeah he was a mega success absolutely just huge huge success so now prince released four more albums between purple rain and what would be his next iconic smash hit album the soundtrack for 1989's batman weird thing for him to do i always it always struck me as weird but like i guess it makes sense it's it's super weird i want to go on record and just say i love the 87 album sign of the times i think that is a genius album um and i it still had some big hits but yeah not maybe not as big as batman i think like at some point he did start to i don't know i think he 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 started to have some misses i mean you know he made a second movie in the 80s yeah under the cherry moon and it's like and then uh you know, he had a third one graffiti bridge right in 1990 yeah so, yeah. He, so you don't hear about those ones as much because again purple rain wasn't like that good it was, it was, I mean, he's a pretty terrible actor. It's just like, <laughs> oh, who plays a, his dad in Purple Rain? Because that that man, and no I matter what remember. he's in, is like the scariest guy. Like, I, I feel like I've seen that guy be like, there's not a single movie that guy's in where he's not like smacking a chick in the face at some point. Oh, damn. Like, he's in Tales from the Hood. Remember. He's in fucking, uh, he's in Half Baked. Like, he's just always like this scary villain. He's in Superfly. Like, he's just like a scary yeah. guy. The scary guy, yeah. Like when I saw, like, because um, I, I forgot that he played Prince's dad. And when Prince, like, comes home on this gigantic purple fucking motorcycle, like, that he yes. parks, like, in the hood and no one fucks with it for some reason, even though mm-hmm. he's literally, like, an 18th century dandy, like, walking right. through the street, like, and just no one fucks with Prince's motorcycle. But he hears yeah. his parents, like, arguing and he goes inside. And when I saw that it was that actor, I was like, oh, this, this mom doesn't stand a chance. Like, she's going to get <laughs> oh, walloped, man. dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, I mean, he made see these movies that I, I mean, I haven't even seen the other movies, so I don't know what those are about. It's yeah. probably more Prince doing it and oh, playing the guitar for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we're going to end up, we'll do a squirt. That's like just weird Prince stuff. Uh, yeah. and, and like more about his movies and stuff. Cause that's not why we're here today. Um, you know, we're obviously squirt skipping over major portions of an absolute legend story, but Prince is not the dump here. 
So, yeah. the matter at hand. Prince continued his steady stream of albums and films as the 80s closed and the 90s began. Like I said, Under the Cherry Moon, Graffiti Bridge. Uh, the thing about Prince, though, is that he was always in the process of writing or recording new music and had amassed a backlog of hundreds of songs. And this seems like a record company's dream, but the problem in the eyes of Warner Brothers executives was that the sheer abundance of Prince music could water down the demand by saturating the market. In order to keep Prince in high demand, it was decided to limit his release schedule to one album a year, a decision Prince felt was an unfair hindrance to his creativity. When Prince confronted his corporate overlords, he was told by executive Mary Lou Badu, is Badau? Mary Lou Badu, Badu, Mary Lou, Badu, Mary Lou Badu, 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 Mary Lou Badu, that it yeah. would be counterproductive to just release songs as they came out or to release multiple albums a year. Uh, at this time that we're talking about, allegedly Prince had 500 songs backlogged. Yeah. Like he's just he's, never not making shit. And he's like, his, okay, let's yeah. group these 10 together. Put them out. Let's release this single. They're like, it can't work like that. No one's right. going to care about Prince stuff. If like, mm -hmm. if radio stations are having to choose between which new single of yours to put out, you know, exactly. Or, or and then that's, and that's where I think it also, you know, he's, you start to really see him butt heads with the label, which is something he kind of, was very outspoken about labels and the whole, he kind of always hated the music industry um, or had beef with it. And there's some really great interviews of him, you know, later in his life talking about it in a pretty like good, like a very succinct way. But part of his vault was, it was famous. And when he died, I mean, people were like, Oh, like they've now Prince's legacy or whatever. They've actually started to release some yeah. of that music. Um, and it, it is like for every one album he made, there was probably four or five albums worth of unreleased material. Maybe Plus he like, recorded maybe just a bunch of it of sucked concerts. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's maybe not it was all just as shitty. good, but <laughs> like they're like, I no, mean, dude, <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I will say like, even for an, like, I've listened to some of it and I think some of it's like amazing, but yeah, it's also, I mean, yeah, I also, you know, from the record they're, 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 they need like, they're looking for another purple rain. So they need the, like, we need that anticipation. We need this, like, you know, marketing, we need all this shit to go with it. So it's like a big excitement. And he just got onto this point where he was so creative that, yeah, I mean, if you're releasing three albums a year, I mean, it, it doesn't have the same effect. No, no, you know, no. I mean, later in like the two, th if you look at Prince's discography, after all this symbol shit happens, like he basically just started doing that where he does release like three albums a year in the two thousands. And I mean, it's something like I personally haven't kept up with, you know what I mean? Like that's really oh, for a diehard so, fan. There's so many. Yeah. To there, be in like ton. the year 2008, be like, wow, I just listened to all four of Prince's albums in 2008, you know, like <laughs> that's a lot of, of music. Absolutely. Now, when Prince consulted his lawyers about ways around his contract, he learned that not only was he contractually not allowed to release music at his own volition, but also that Warner Brothers owned the copyright on the Prince name and brand. This realization spawned the princiest Prince moment of the icon's life. Feeling cheated out of his own creative force, Prince announced his retirement in 1993. The announcement came as a shock to fans and record executives alike as he had just signed a $100 million contract renewal deal with Warner Brothers. However, Prince knew he had too much music in him to retire no matter how bitter he was. His next course of action was to sidestep the trademark on his name and art by changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol. 
This is it. Yeah. On mm-hmm. June 7th, 1993, Prince's 35th birthday, it was announced that the Purple God would no longer be performing, recording, or even existing as his iconic moniker. He would now be referred to as a symbol that was created for him. The announcement was made through Prince's PR team, who explained, It is an unpronounceable symbol whose meaning has not been identified. It's all about thinking in new ways, tuning into a new frequency. And the quote, though, the way it was written, like two is the number two. Like frequency is spelt like free dash Quincy. Like it's very Prince. (laughs) It's like tuning to new frequency. Yes. (laughs) And all of his U's are just the letter U and like. If you want to say no, it's always N-O, even if it's like K-N-O-W. It's like he's always doing the like spelling it different right? just to make it a little freakier. Right. <laughs> now, I mean, celebrities have changed their name before. Like, for instance, I think of Puff Daddy, right? There is like Puff Daddy, then Sean P. Diddy Combs, then Puff. Yeah. And, you but know, this was after Prince, you know. That was after Kanye. Prince, yeah. Kanye, Yay. yeah, 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 exactly. You want to uh, talk about someone that uh, was super famous and successful that, like, I would put in the well, like, he's not a dump, but this moment of his career is, but like, where the whole thing is, not like, Kanye West has now gone into full, like, your entire life is now a dump, like, yeah, to I, like, yeah, totally. His turn I, I was think so are, hard, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think there are certain comparisons to Kanye now and Prince in the '90s that I'll try to make a little bit later. Um, but yeah, he, he did a symbol, you know, and it's like, it kind of worked as a statement rebellion against labels. And also as this, like, open your mind, like I'm a genius artist, like a new way to think of me because, you know, another thing that's now, uh, become popular is like essentially unpronounceable band artist names. I mean, uh, Grimes and Elon Musk, like named their kid. And they like, named it what like co- it's like code it, it it's like it is a, a name that's pronounceable but when you look at it it's like how the fuck do you pronounce this it sounds a lot like, of rappers like, yeah it looks like, like it like would like read like zarp. like that's what their yeah. kid's name sounds like to me yeah but i feel like there was a period where like a lot of rappers recently i was like oh shit i'm getting old because like how the fuck are you supposed to pronounce this name and then someone would be like oh it's like good flow or like the name would be so simple extension yeah yeah and i'm like wait that's how you pronounce that what the fuck six not yeah 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 so it it, it's it's a thing that happens but like for instance like no like liberace never changed his name madonna like people that are like these one name fucking like where you've you've created such a strong brand and now but i mean it was already a one name artist which is like sting madonna Cher, bono like that's already an elite class you know what bono should change his fucking name to if he was going to change it to a symbol it should be the fucking poop emoji that that should be what bono changes his fucking name to like yeah i can pronounce that um but i'll like but the symbol did work as like hardcore branding and it it lasted for the rest throughout the rest of his career like even when i saw him which was long after the uh name change whole controversy i was i think it was 2008 when i saw him um on the on the concert poster it said prince but then after his name it, they still put the symbol you know like, yeah it, and i mean he he also had a guitar that was right. like a very because the symbol are you have you gotten to this yet on the note like yeah like the symbol oh no we're, we're getting to it yeah 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 like i mean it was all 
very orchestrated. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, and we've as we've seen another uh, the Rolling Stones, you know, having that f the tongue yeah. sticking out like the Grateful Dead bear. Yeah. Like certain things like that uh, we've come to find can be very beneficial for for the culture for dumps toilet to brand themselves, which is also another interesting thing that like bands might not have thought about in the eight sixties and seventies, but certainly by the eighties and nineties, like people are really starting to like musicians are starting to think much more like businesses. Well, I think it was MTV really where it was like, okay, like, you know, in the sixties and seventies, it's like, okay, you hear these songs on the radio. The songs are what the bands become known for. But then with music videos, it's like, how can I, make this stick out even more, you know, and you mm -hmm. have someone like Michael Jackson, who's like creating this new art of the music video. And you have someone like Prince, who's just like, okay, I'm going to make a fucking movie, you know, like there, right. it, it becomes, there's a turnover where it's like, well, it has to be visual as well, you know? So when yeah. you hear the song, you're seeing the person in your head, you know, that that's, yeah, that's the thing. Also, I guess Prince wrote out like a very long winded explanation of this name change and it got locked in a time capsule with a bunch of other Prince shit that uh, hasn't been <laughs> yeah. unearthed yet. And that's at his yeah. like Paisley Park estate in Minneapolis. Um, also, and he, so just to go back, you know, he also he signed a contract for a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Right. So that is completely insane. And there's a little bit I've noted like in the early nineties is when we started to see these like astronomical, like there was a new ceiling for artists signing it. Uh, like Madonna had signed one that was a shit ton of money. I was reading interestingly enough though, like one of the artists that kicked off this like huge, like contract thing is an artist that you might not like necessarily think of now, but it was REM. Oh, REM wow. in the 90s, they were like one of the first artists to do these like mega contracts and they signed an $80 million contract. That's how Christ. popular REM was. And it, that actually kind of started this thing within like Madonna and Michael Jackson. We're like, well, like I shit. guess money is not even real. So just write, just gotta, write yeah. a couple zeros on whatever. This right. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck it. Though at the same time, like these contracts are insanely complicated. These are for multiple albums. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So yes, in the news, it does sound like what they just gave Prince a hundred million dollars, but like it's spread out over years. Like these albums have to be delivered in order for it to actually, yeah. you know, come to the artist. I th obviously I'm sure there's a huge advance that they're going to receive at the start of that just to get them going with well, it. And if you're, but Prince, they're like super fucking complicated contracts. Uh, absolutely. And they're, they were, I mean, that was, part of the trick you know it's like yeah. get, get them locked in that's why prince was like you know when, when he was like well these fuckers you know they want me to release albums because they just signed me for a hundred million dollars but they won't release my fucking albums and it's like right. well no we don't want to release as many we're not just going to let you put out whatever because like if you put out you know a hundred songs in a year maybe 10 are going to be the singles like you know you fuck up your own shit and imagine putting that out in just a couple months rather than a whole year it's it's a it's a whole thing but when he found out that he didn't even own prince you know he's like well i can't just i, I he wasn't right. even able to put out stuff independently on the side because that wasn't considered his name so he's like well i'll change my name to a symbol i could sidestep all of this because now i'm not the name that i signed but we'll exactly. learn that it doesn't work like that. Let's get into the symbol itself, though. So that symbol, which is now just as ubiquitous with Prince as the name Prince, was actually created for his 1992 album, The Love Symbol. 
Prince employed the artist at HDMG Studios to create a symbol that was a combination of the Mars and the Venus symbol, a.k.a. the male and female symbols. Two artists, yeah. Mitch Monson and Liz Luce, created the symbol for Prince, which ended up being a little left of center from what he envisioned, but he went with it anyways. The artist that created the symbol had no way of knowing that one year after they drew it up for an album cover, it would be used as Prince's whole ass name. Uh, yeah. The Love Symbol album, that was his 14th album. Um, and I love that he just, like, took that. And I also love that, like, it wasn't perfect. Like, if I'm going to, like, if I'm the most famous fucker on the planet and I'm going to change my name to a symbol, it better be exactly what I want. <laughs> like, right, I'm not just right. be like, well, I'll just go with this. It's already done. Like, I already have merch with it on it. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's, let's just stick with this. Um, yeah. Also, I love, like, the whole, like, that's such a Prince thing. Like, no, it's, like, Mars and Venus combined. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah, and it's kind of again sort of that androgyny thing. Like it's like there's the masculine. I'm the masculine and the feminine. I'm surprised the symbol's not more popular now. Um, but also, I feel like with the the whole Mars and Venus thing, that's a very '90s. Thing. I think the book came out in the '90s, might be the '80s. But that like book, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's dumb yeah. shit right there, dude. I feel like that is dumb shit because like. I mean, that book is probably really funny if we read it. Dude, now. there's a copy of it in uh I've I've been working at this museum. There's a copy of it in the break room for some reason, like with a bunch of other books, and I'm like like how embarrassing would it be if you're just reading Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, like with your cup noodles and like your other coworkers come in and see you reading that? <laughs> like <laughs> they're like, dude, that book, like, what the fuck? But um, yeah. anyways, understandably, the music press as well as Warner Brothers were in a frenzy after Prince announced his name change. How are they supposed to refer to him in print? Shit. How are you supposed to refer to him on the radio or TV? What do you even call this guy now? <laughs> you know, because Prince was, he was famous for his diva shit. Like the whole cliche of, uh, oh, no one in the crew can look him in the eye. Like, don't make eye contact. That's print. Right. That's like Prince shit. That like, I'm sure yeah. like part of that originated with real backstage demands from Prince. Um, and also no one was allowed to call him Prince during this time. So like, what do you even, you just go like, uh, hey, dude. Like, you know, it's like when you yeah. don't know someone's yeah. name, but they know you like this happens yeah. to me a lot as a as a bar, like freak as a bar fly, <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll, I meet people all the time and uh, have like these hour long conversations. I have no idea who they are. I show up and they're like, oh, Ryan, what's up, dude? This is the guy. Yeah. He does. He does that podcast I was telling you about. And, like, and I'm just uh, like, yeah, uh, man, <laughs> like I don't even yeah. ask people if I don't have a number in my phone and I get a text and it's like specific enough to where I know that they know me. I won't even ask who it is and I'll have whole ass conversations with. Like, I don't know who like, yeah. you can't, but like, if you did that and you're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. What's your name again? And then they just sort of like, they just show you a symbol. <laughs> they just show you a symbol, but also because then, but then you're a Prince and you're like, I'm famous enough. So you know who I am. So like, it's like a weird paradox where it's like, everyone knows who he is, but he doesn't have a name that's pronounceable anymore. Yeah. It's very, it's it's pretty weird. It's bizarre. But also your brain is just still going Prince, Prince, Prince. Right. You know, cause yeah. like what else are you, how are you supposed to fill that? Again, I just don't know how you even, how you would even speak to the guy. 
Now, the solution that Prince's team came up with was to digitize the symbol as a character that could be included in print stories. So thousands of CDs and floppy disks with the new Prince font were distributed to music and entertainment journalists, who by the time they received the disks, decided that the name change was pretentious and annoying. Many of the first stories released about the Switch still referred to him as Prince or one of several tongue-in-cheek joke names. This was exemplified by the Minneapolis Star Tribune, who took a vote amongst the townspeople uh, for new <laughs> names for Prince. And this is some very Minnesotan, like, like innocent, clean humor. They're like, uh, I don't know, let's call him Mysterious Illness. Or, oh, how about Ambiguity? And then oh uh, based on the, the famed, uh, now seen as problematic SNL sketch, uh, how about Pat? Because we don't know Pat. what's going on with them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but see, there, that, that's where it like already starts to like, it, it's just like inviting a lot of humor. It's just like, what do we call them? Mysterious like, illness. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I just want to say that, um, like, I feel like having one of those floppy disks oh, that has dude. the Prince font, like that's got to be some like high tier memory, like music memorabilia like if you have one of those floppy disks i mean think about how complex like, that would fucking be like i'll tell you right now i write scripts okay i write multiple like you know scripts one page i write a lot of shit i don't know how to fucking put a umlaut on shit or like a tilde like i don't know how to <laughs> i don't know how to put it like imagine me trying to put in a fucking print symbol in 1993 from a floppy disk for a fucking rolling stone article not gonna happen bub you know <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. not i can't even type motley crew the right way uh i don't even know how to do that shit let alone an unpronounceable symbol uh yeah so i mean the journalists, like most people just rolled their eyes at this, but the journalists especially hated it because they had to go through all sorts of extra trouble just to type the guy's name, which was so easy to type because it was just a couple letters and it was one word before. Like he went from being like the most easily, like, you know, right upable fucking star on the planet to the most difficult overnight. Out of control. True. Now, at True. first, Prince did not give any interviews under his new name, and he even slowed his output of music in an attempt to get revenge on Warner Brothers. This strategy didn't last long, as Prince was just too damn prolific, and he couldn't help but release new music. But also something that happened, which is interesting, uh, and thank you to research assistant Mel for including this. Uh, w, the Warner Brothers, WB, they kind of called his bluff, and they're like, okay, you don't want to put anything out? We're going to re-release old shit of yours. And so they re-released mm -hmm. um, his 1986 album, which was titled The Black Album. Uh, I believe mm -hmm. the original title was going to be The Funk Bible, but he changed it to The Black Album because he had this crazy spiritual awakening where he claimed that this album was evil and I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to look back on it. It's the black album. I don't even want my face on it. Kind of yeah. dude, the black album. Can, that's a dump right there. There's been so many black albums. Mm -hmm. Like it's not cool like to do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like in Prince's Metallica, case, it's cool. Cause he claimed it was evil. You know? Um, yeah. It's, and it's pretty sick actually. It's like very, very like funk. Because, oh, you know, he's done fun. a lot of, you know, he's done pop, he's done rock, like he's done all sorts of different uh, styles. And, you know, also to for some of the context, like I said, he dominated the 80s. Um, but I think there was a big question in a lot of people's minds. I think as any decade, sometimes there would be like, OK, so you were so big in the 80s as we enter the 90s. Like, are you still going to be? popular you know are you still going to have that relevance um obviously like a big moment 
in rock, you know, we've mentioned, you know, it's like Nirvana grunge kind of being like hair metal is over. So there was just like a very, like, you know, that happened in the early nineties. Well, and you had like the R and B and like the gangster rap shit. Like yeah, that took over. You had gangster rap coming, which kind of took like Prince's music sort of reflects some of the early hip hop sound, but it definitely like as nasty as Prince was like, he's not like, Oh, he's nasty, but he's not like a, he's not violent. Like he doesn't really have many of the same, well, he'd be beating it up. As, but. <laughs> yeah, but, but like Prince and NWA really don't have that much in common. Like Prince and like Dr. Dre, like those are really like, you know, Dr. Dre's chronic is like, that's the 90s. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a 90s sound. So, so people, so he did, even though he was like his own artist and he did kind of whatever he wanted, like this Black album was sort of supposed to be him getting back to his roots. And because also people we're saying like Prince, you know, you did the Batman soundtrack, like you're for white people now, like, <laughs> you know, you know, you've like sold out. So it was kind of like this attempt at making, yeah, I guess just like black music, black album, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know, but it's, it is crazy. I, I listened to uh, a couple songs and also I love the way it looks because again, Prince got hit with the PMRC shit. So all of his albums had parental advisory stickers and like, just like all black cassette tape cover with just like a fat fucking parental advisory sticker is like dope. Um, yeah. But mm -hmm. there's one song, like uh, the idea that he had this spiritual realization that it was evil. Um, some claim that it was a uh, drug fueled, epiphany you know like someone said oh he was on ecstasy and you realized it was evil or whatever i don't know how you could think anything was evil if you're on ecstasy mm -hmm. um except maybe like not feeling the ecstasy anymore that would be the evil part <laughs> of taking ecstasy right. is it wearing off but um there's a song called rock hard in a funky place and <laughs> I, I again the idea that this is evil to him like this is what the this is what it sounds like but you couldn't concentrate when you're next to her. Uh, maybe you have a nut in the car. Maybe if you have a nut in the car. Maybe you can think about playing guitar. Rock, rock, rock. But this is probably what it sounded like to Prince. I, I don't hear the evil, but hey, I, I didn't make the damn thing. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna also <laughs> say, as the, the the Prince fan here, like to me, the '80s music and the '70s stuff he did is all genius, and there are like moments of '90s stuff that I like. But uh, Prince was, I do feel like he he wasn't like super relevant to the '90s in the way he was in the '80s, and his music started getting like really goofy. And so for him to be like, mm, it, this is evil. evil and it's <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's I don't know. It's weird. I just feel like some of his stuff, especially on around this time with with hip hop, he started doing raps. Oh, right. And yeah. it's 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 pretty bad. It's like <laughs> he's doing the like ABC one, two, three. You know me. And it's like, damn, dude. But like. <laughs> Now we're in the era of like the chronic where like people like th that's not the way people rap anymore. No, but I feel so I feel like he was kind of like 
And again, I'm criticizing this fucking genius. Well, and Prince, and like, again, you have the his difference. music gets kind of corny in the in the '90s. Sure, I, I would agree with that. And I mean, well, it's just funk, and like funk can funk can get there. It can get kind of corny, yeah. and like you know, it's, yeah. especially with like the new way. Yeah, just coming out of the '80s, all that stuff. Um, with Michael Jackson, I feel like the difference was because he had such, a, unfortunately, such a huge market for kids. Like he just mm-hmm. stayed at this peak of relevancy. Like even after his fucking like first accusations, you know, because like the parents would pass it on to the kids. Like you don't really give your fucking like dirty ass Prince album to like your six year old, you know? And like you, you might show your kids moonwalker or like thriller, but you're not about to put on purple rain, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like watch Prince I, finger Michael bang Jackson, a chick and then smack her in the face. I think Michael Jackson in the nineties kind of got into that Bono esque like my music, like we'll I'm going to save, save the world, the world yeah. and like, kind of all his songs just had these themes of like, why can't we all just like get along? And I feel like that kind of did yeah, him. heal the world. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Whereas Prince is like, I want to fuck. I'm even hornier. I'm even <laughs> hornier, baby. Yeah. You didn't think I could get hornier, but here I am. <laughs> yeah. Rock hard in a funky place. According yeah. to Prince's lawyer at the time, Londell McMillan, Prince thought he could void his contract by going by a different stage name, which was certainly not the case. However, Prince did recognize the trouble he was putting his label through with the name change, so he decided to keep using the love symbol. With no sign of Prince changing his mind, a spokesperson for the artist formerly known as Prince announced it would be fine if people just referred to him as the artist formerly known as Prince. He never legally mm-hmm. changed his name or anything. I think even the laxist court would be like, you're not allowed to change yeah. your name to this to this thing. Like, right. You know. And I- I got to say the artist formerly known as Prince, which is also a very big part of the dump with the symbol. That is the dump, yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, that's the thing you can, like, the name. Um, that's a that's a great name. The like artist that, formerly like, known as Prince? Yeah, like, that's It's very has, self-important, it, yeah. It's very diva-ish, but it does, it works. It, it works. forces it's everyone. It's pretty iconic. Absolutely. And the symbol is iconic, but it, it forces everyone around you to, like, placate your bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like, even yeah. if you're like, gonna, oh, you mean the artist formerly known as Prince? Like, he just got you to participate, like, even though you're right, talking right. shit. Like, and if yeah. you and if you used Prince, like, technically you weren't talking about him. Like, it's all this weird on paper shit. Despite everyone knowing that Prince was still Prince and his music was still his, record sales dropped drastically. Under the love symbol, or as the artist formerly known as Prince, he released the albums The Gold Experience and Chaos and Disorder all through through Warner Brothers. It was also during this time that Prince wrote the word slave across his cheek for public appearances and even in his music video for the song Gold. Uh, and before these albums came out, like, but after he had changed his name, the album Come came out, which was the mm-hmm. last one where like they released it as like, this is a Prince album, but the name changes already happened. It was like a weird timing thing. Um, and as far as the slave thing, he equated his treatment from Warner Brothers as something akin to slavery. And we, mm-hmm. we see this time and time again with artists, uh, particularly black artists who feel exploited by white record executives. That goes all the way fucking back to the dawn of entertainment. You know, uh, just, hey, like, right. <laughs> let's take this thing that isn't ours and exploit it because we have the means. Um, and, I mean, you still hear this now with, like, Spotify and, like, st- streamers and, and all that stuff. And, of course, you know, uh, the Napster 
Schuster thing and all that. There's all these things fucking with musicians at all times that make it very mm-hmm. difficult to uh, become super successful. Even if you're signing a $100 million contract, you still feel ripped off, which is kind of the takeaway here. Or, I mean, with that much money, like, that's not just... It's going to come with some pretty heavy strings attached. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, he, this is a kind of a cool one. He appeared in a televised interview fully covered, like in a, like it, it was a one piece jumpsuit covered his face, his fucking fingers, everything. It was this crazy pattern. And he had a translator with him. So the interviewer would ask the question. He would whisper into this girl's ear and then she would share the answer. And that's where like, yeah. well, it's the, it's an unpronounceable symbol. That's the way to tune into a new frequency and open your mind. Yeah. It's like, well, why mm-hmm. can't he, which reminds me of someone who else who changed their name. We mentioned it before Kanye West wearing these fucking ski masks and shit. And now that's just like a rapper thing, but like yeah. just covering up, yourself entirely for like public events and like appearances because he's like prince's whole thing was no one's going to use my likeness no one's going to make money off of my pictures but the fucking catch 22 of it is like but you're just making a bigger deal like you know that's kind of the genius of it like prince like you changed your name to a symbol so no one could talk about you everyone's talking about you you covered yourself from head to toe so no one could see you everyone's watching you yeah I, w- I would say the way that it is sort of similar to Kanye, though, is that at this particular era, it's like before Prince, it was like the controversy and the music were kind of hand in hand. And at, at this particular point, the controversy is is more the news is more relevant than the music. And I feel like that's yeah. the, sort of the era Kanye is in where like his music now feels kind of like um it's a it's a backseat. Yeah, it's, it's like playing he's second just, fiddle. Yeah, he's just doing all this wild, controversial shit. But he's bare, He's not really putting out much music. That same with Prince. I mean, Prince obviously. Well, he, he was putting out albums, it. but it's just like, but, but, well, it just wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, and sorry, Kanye did put out an album like two years ago. It's just it's well, not really that was like pre pre Nazi pre Nazi. I'm just lover. saying it's not it's not like it's not like oh he did this crazy shit and it's a a genius album it's like oh yeah he did this album and i feel like with kanye also where he like releases the album and then three days later he like changes it again so you're like wait did the album ever get finished and (laughs) just gaslighting everyone yeah did that even happen And so just meaning just with prince like it was a lot of focus on this but i mean and again there's the prince fans who i'm sure love this early 90s era i've tried to listen to i'm like it's definitely for the more hardcore fans and he did have some hits in this era in the early 90s um but i would just say not it's just not as much you know like people are really focused on this right well it's symbol and the artist formerly known as prince and all that kind of media circus it seemed like people yeah I, i get you know he was releasing these albums that you know, would have songs kind of like digging at the situation, but you're still releasing it under the oppressive record label that you did the whole name change to get back at in the first place. So it's all counterintuitive and it's all cyclical and like you're, you know, but the albums aren't, aren't doing great at all. Yeah. Um, I also, um, I know that, and we've, we've talked about doing an entire dump on this person because, but this fits in just some of the, what makes, this just like a bizarre period in Prince's life was that Prince also was known for having protégés oh, um, yeah. who happened to usually be like really attractive women that he was sleeping with too. 
Um, and they didn't really get to the same musical level as him, but I think Prince just was kind of obsessed. And so he would take proteges and one of them was Carmen Electra. Like that's how she got famous, you know, was a musical artist. She was like one of Prince's proteges. Um, and there is, (laughs) I've seen an interview of her on like with Jon Stewart, where it's like during this artist formerly known as Prince Faze and Jon Stewart's trying to ask her questions about Prince and she keeps going, oh, you mean the artist? Yeah. And so she would be like, you mean the artist? And it's like getting tense because like Jon Stewart is kind of like, he's like, no, I'm not playing this game. He's like, what the fuck is this shit? But she's like, I mean, basically was made by Prince. So it was like very sticking to it. Like you mean the artist and all that. Uh, yeah, but anyway, a, yeah, I don't know. Carmen Electra is a great crossroads in the dump world because uh, there's the Prince connection and then also Dennis Rodman, which people ask us to do all the time and yeah. like right in the middle. And then also she had her great show till death do us part where she was getting married to Dave Navarro. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. she completely moved away from music, which was probably smart because she did have like a very successful career as being the source of like my wet dreams for the first like three <laughs> years of my <laughs> yeah. life of puberty. Um, but I have have dug, dug into that more. I'm like, okay, this is pretty interesting. Well, and he would do fucked is... up shit to her. Like, um, Dinah, yeah. who we've had on the show, my, our friend Dinah, she was telling me, um, cause when we were talking about doing a Carmen Electra episode, I was like, oh, yeah. we should have Dinah on. Cause you know, she knows all that shit. And yeah, she was saying like, you know, there was, she had to sleep in her makeup. Like that was part of the rules. And like. Prince, Prince had would, like, like this come weird by con- at like you know three or four in the morning and just, just double to check see yeah if she was like wearing her makeup which is like really bad for you <laughs> yeah to just it, be it, always it, in makeup it, yeah it's also really bad for you to have this like overbearing crazy rich dude that's like dressed like a fucking dandy leprechaun from <laughs> Sexland like creeping into your house and I just to make sure you have foundation on like what the who fuck? you're calling the artist yeah the artist and whose actual <laughs> name is Prince like right, it, right. like it doesn't get any better no matter how you spin it so the corporate slave known as the artist formerly known as Prince was freed from his chains in 1996 when his record contract with Warner Brothers expired. On November 19th, 1996, Prince released the album Emancipation with NPG and EMI Records. NPG was Prince's record label that he started because he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not fucking doing right. this major shit again. So it was all and then that was it was his yeah. underneath another another label. And Emancipation was actually a triple album that boasted 36 songs that were intended to take the listener through the 18 year relationship Prince had with Warner Brothers, as well as to celebrate his new marriage to Métis uh, Garcia. Métis? Mate? I always do that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Miss yeah, Garcia. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, yeah. this album was semi-well-received. Like, people were still coming out of the love symbol fog. Um, but even though he was still going as the love symbol. Like, but it, right. there was a definite switch between in his attitude and the way that he, like, presented himself after the Warner Brothers contract ended. Um, it went to number 11. It sold around 500,000 copies that first year. But because it was three discs, it qualified uh, to be certified double platinum, which is kind of like a weird, <laughs> a weird That's loophole. That's like a loophole. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I think this this was like the album he wanted to release uh, when he first signed the Warner Brothers contract, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I think part of it was that it was a bunch of old music, so they didn't want it. And because it was a triple album, I think because his album was a multi-album deal... He was trying to be like, okay, 
so I'll release this triple album. That'll count for three. And they right. were like, no, we want you to release three separate albums. Yeah, and no um, one wants a three fucking CD Prince album right now, dog. <laughs> in the middle of the 90s, yeah. I mean, and again, I do also think just like what led to it is, again, on paper, like even though it is a complicated contract and it didn't give him the artistic freedom he wanted, also in the news, like I think it contributed to be like, all right, this guy is off his rocker. You see the $100 million and you're like, could you be more greedy? And like, I feel like it kind of, it, I feel like these things did sort of contribute to a low point in his career between that, him being seen as like difficult. And then to just kind of back it up with music that wasn't necessarily exciting people the way it was right in the eighties, you know? And it, I feel like it took him a while to kind of sort of come out of this. Well, I feel like know? what happened with Prince is like his albums never became like as celebrated as they were in the eighties. But people became more and more stoked. Like when Prince would show up at so like he, he would do all these appearances, like these cameos, like filling in on guitar or like, you know, yeah. making guest appearances or like going on like these crazy tours and stuff. Like he, he became like a legacy act where people were just like, yeah. like an icon where it like, it's like, like, like a Madonna, like people don't really give that much of a shit if Madonna comes out with a new album. But when she goes on tour, it's going to sell out every fucking date. Right. Because the one thing that Prince was, has sort of maintained his entire career was these like, which you got to see, right? Like legendary performances that kind of have this undeniable sense of like virtuistic performance and like kind of old school, like entertainment, like watch a bunch of talented people be talented right. and put on a whole show. And so he kind it was of, the first I feel time like he, I felt like I was watching, like I was like, Oh, this is like pro shit. Even though I had seen like huge major festival acts, like seeing, I was like, that is, yeah, that is showbiz. This is next level shit. Like you, I mean, it was crazy. I, one of my big musical regrets in my life was uh, leaving early. And I remember walking through the parking lot of Coachella, trying to find the car with my friends. And uh, I can hear purple rain playing from the stage. And like, Uh. I was like, no, we really should get back to the house so we could uh, watch Freddie got fingered before this acid wears off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, I'm that's the bed that I made and oh I had to lay God. in it. Yeah. You got to, you got still you got to see Prince. I got to see him. Yeah, I feel like he kinda you know, eventually later on it would just kinda be he still was very outspoken. Um, but I do feel like I mean, honestly, coming out of this sort of entered a period where like I feel like he sort of just became an independent artist for a large part of the second half of his career. Totally, totally. The artist, still at this time known as the artist formerly known as Prince, signed with Arista in 1998. Under Arista, Prince released the albums The Vault, Old Friends for Sale, and Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic, still Mm -hmm. going by the love symbol. Uh, Rave Unto the Joy Fantastic is an album cover I remember seeing in like Blockbuster Musics. Like, yeah. it's like he's wearing like a silvery jacket. Like the font goes down the album cover in a strange way. Like it's very like Matrix Prince. Yes, he he did like dive into the like late 90s, like kind of, I mean, rave is even in the name and just the the outfits like super tight. Like he did, he did, he does, he looks very 90s at this point. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, he's going so, for it. Yeah, but yeah. still going by the symbol. Not he hasn't gone back to Prince. But as the world entered Y2K and Prince's remaining publishing contract with Warner Brothers finally expired, Prince officially resumed the use of the name Prince, and nothing bad or weird ever happened in the world or to Prince ever again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except. <laughs> um, well, he became a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, and uh, and he died on April 21st, 2015 at his Paisley Park estate from an accidental fentanyl overdose. Um, yeah. Yeah, very, very sad. And yeah, it was discovered he had hundreds and hundreds of songs in his vault, um, you know, just like he always said he did, and it was always reported. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to do a whole squirts on it. I mean, there's this whole thing where Michael Jackson wanted him to be uh, be in the bad music video, where like to mm-hmm. play Wesley Snipes' part. But the first, he said the reason why he didn't do it, A, because he didn't want to fucking be part of anyone else's shit, first and foremost, especially Michael Jackson when they've been so like made to be rivals. But also the first line of bad is, your butt is mine. And he's yeah. like, I didn't want Michael singing that to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. Um, um, yeah, Jehovah's yeah. Witness shit. He's got like all sorts of like weird sex stuff going on. Uh, we'll do that in a, in a squirts. But that's the story yeah. of the symbol, of the love symbol, and the artist yeah. formerly known as Prince. I do One thing about the Jehovah's Witness, though, because you mentioned the Matrix, because is that he uh, he actually compared his like conversion to like to being like neo in the matrix like becoming a Jehovah's <laughs> he's the Witness. one yeah he would go so, door to door I, I i read uh um he was one of the few artists that was like no weird al you cannot parody like a direct parody of one of my songs i think weird <laughs> al has like a style parody but not a direct song parody ah. so michael jackson See, was okay with Weird Al doing that. Yeah, everyone was, times. except for Coolio, but they they, they made yeah. up later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, so, uh, highly, totally off topic, but highly recommend the new Weird Al movie. Uh, what? What? A, oh, yes. What a romp! Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the new Weird Al movie. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to also follow up. Like, I if you if you watch, uh, like handfuls of. Like, I do feel like the symbol period was sort of a creative low point, a commercial low point for Prince. As he kind of emerged back, it it did, like, I think you described it well, like a legacy act where he was like, I'm just going to do my thing. Um, He was still very, like, outspoken against the music industry. He was also very outspoken against streaming uh, services, the way that format worked. Yeah, kind of, though, because he was also the first to, he was one of the first artists to sell an album online, because he was like, well, if everyone's downloading now, this is like Napster era, like early 2000s, he's like, why don't we just make the album available online and take it back? And he Mm -hmm. actually won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Webbies um, because of his push Mm. to move music to a digital platform uh, in a real way that could be beneficial. Obviously it didn't work out (laughs) very well with everything we're seeing now with, with Spotify and shit like that. But I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing, but what does it mean? I guess it means that within show business, there will always be a struggle between the show and the business. Unfortunately, this struggle has existed since the dawn of entertainment, and no matter how creative or innovative people might be when it comes to sidestepping the corporate bigwigs that run the industry, there will always be a way to take control of the artist. Prince was one of the first artists to embrace the internet when it came to releasing music, and look how that turned out. I guess the lesson here is if the man has you under their thumb, be petty and make them call you an unpronounceable symbol just because. 
That's what it means to me. You know, he's like, well, maybe I'll get out of this contract by changing my name. Well, that didn't work, Mm -hmm. but now you guys have to deal with this and it's like fucking everything up. Oh, the internet's taking over. Well, why don't I just release my music on the internet? Like, and and that's the only way. Like he joined a title with with Jay-Z. Like let's do, and then he later would say, hey, like this internet shit's kind of like music slavery too. Like it all goes back to that. Yeah, you only have a short window of time to be successful with these like outside of the industry paths before right. they get closed up the industry gets in on them too so then the way because connie i mean like it feels like even talking about him right now is like a you don't want to hear it or it's it's hot water or whatever but since this is the era we're releasing it in and who knows will this become a dump or will kanye like you know lead a fashion become a fascist leader we're we're <laughs> waiting to see uh at the moment um or or this will just be like some kind of dump-esque moment for him because now people because people are saying that like this is kanye kanye saying all this anti-semitic shit is his way of getting out of these numerous contracts he has <laughs> that's people. a pretty so smart I way mean, to do it <laughs> i i mean it's definitely He's using getting, a symbol too just like prince except it's one yeah, that was uh, created by nazis yeah <laughs> so it is a theory that is going around on the internet and uh either way like it's i don't know i do think I think Prince was not nearly that controversial, no, but you have to remember close. he also was a legacy act um, and certainly was very controversial when, when it came to his music itself. So, yeah, yeah, d- yeah. no, d- definitely. And uh, I mean, yeah, we didn't want to, it's all over the news. I'm sure everyone's sick of it. The whole Kanye West thing, but uh, unfortunately in the next dump, uh, if, if we stay on the schedule that I have, when we're talking about one of the very first uh, canceled celebrities, we'll be having to bring him up again, unfortunately. But with that being said, folks, remember January 20th, Whammy Analog Media in Los Angeles, Culture Dumps Live with Museum of Home Video, Adam Papagan, and Bill Conway of the Hard Times. Check that out. Tickets will be available on Whammy's website. We will uh, make all that news known through our Instagram at Culture Dumps. Sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash culture dumps you can send us emails with any questions suggestions comments any of that stuff at culture dumps at gmail.com like rate subscribe all that good stuff i'm ryan lichten i've been joined by parks miller keep on dumping i mean the guys in that prince movie yeah purple rain that shit was so gay fucking 80s style hey never say an uncon word about the time